0: Good morning and welcome to the automotive hour. I'm your host, Louis Alders, and with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is two two five. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Sure wish you would. And if you're wondering where that 225 comes from, All right. that is the area <laughs> here in Baton Rouge. Yeah. We didn't just arbitrarily pull that number out of sky. Well, right. It'd be a good number if we did. You know? yeah. <laughs> hey, it works. That's right. It used to be 504. It did when the area was so broad. Smaller. Yeah, a lot smaller. And when I guess more and more and more telephones came in, they ran out of combinations. So 504 went to New Orleans and, and Baton 225. Rouge. 225. And yeah. I think it's 318 out Lafayette. Lafayette area, and right? And and several more besides that, and that's a little lesson on telephone. <laughs> <laughs> area code expansionism in Louisiana. That's it. There you go. Just in case you're worried about your car, though, you give us a call. we try to give you some automotive advice. There you go. That's what we're here for, live there. in person this morning. There you go. Give us a call. You know, we were talking a little bit before the show about what we would discuss today. And uh-huh. I think with the weather like it is, the extreme heat out, covering the country i was listening to the news on the way in and it's triple digits in many many parts of the country sure and one thing that used to be considered a luxury in an automobile is air conditioning sure and And i think most folks would agree today yeah many vehicles you know back in the early 60s early 60s it was an option even back in the 50s was an option well, to get air conditioning yeah it was a, a but it, a, a it was, not a very popular option it was in the 50s. not it was not so if you found a car with a you know, 50s model car that had factory air in it mm-hmm. that was slated from the factory with air conditioning you found a jewel yeah it was a rare bird at that time and of course like most things it didn't really hold up very well so right. a lot of them got taken out or retrofitted to something else and so on as that but Today, I think most people would agree that air conditioning is no longer a luxury. That's it. For one thing, the cars aren't designed to be unair conditioned. If I can coin that word, sure. Much sure. like a lot of the houses nowadays, my home in New Orleans, the ceilings are eleven feet tall. There are jealous windows you can open at top to let heat out. Plenty of windows you can open to get breeze through, Mm -hmm. but houses today most of the windows are fixed closed. Very few of them. Short ceilings, eight foot ceilings. So you just can't tolerate the heat without the air conditioning. And cars are much the same. They are. You know, back like we were talking back in the fifties and the Mm sixties, and even in the early seventies, cars had vents. You could open the vents. Right. They had a grill out front, somewhere around the hood, between the hood and the windshield, that would catch the air coming in. It would run through the car, and, of course, the windows down, it would pull the heat out, mm-hmm. and it was pretty easy to stay in there as long as you were moving. Well, and people were more or less acclimated to the they were. temperatures that they had to tolerate in those days, and I guess they just didn't know better, didn't know it could be better. So <laughs> I knew growing up we never had air conditioning in our house till I was probably 13, 14 years old. Had the windows and the yeah, big attic big fan. attic fan, and yep. We didn't know we were miserable, <laughs> so, so we were happy, you know. <laughs> In fact, in high school, I when I graduated high school, there was no air conditioning in the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a big fan, and the window's open. Yep. And, and the, te- the, the start, teacher start always... cutting up, they turned the fan off. <laughs> yeah. Teacher always kept the class yeah. in line. Finger on the switch. That's <laughs> it. But anyway, we were talking about air conditioning and such right. as that. And one thing that I've noticed about air conditioning, and that is whenever it breaks, the symptom is the same. Sure. It's not cold. Right. And so people often think their air conditioning will break, and they'll have a repair made, and then maybe a year later it may break again, and they say, well, it's doing the same thing. Well, yes, it is, but anything that happens is going to result in the same problem right. that you do not have coal. For instance, if the compressor comes apart, catastrophic failure, Right. it's not going to get coal. If the belt comes off the compressor, it's not going to get coal. If If the the cooling fan quits working. If the outside condenser fan goes bad and the head pressure gets too high, it's not going to get cold. That's right. If the fuse blows to the clutch, it's not going to get cold. Also refrigerant. Anything that happens on air conditioning, basically the result is going to be it's not going to get cold. Sure. And to help understand a little bit better about diagnosing problems, most air conditioning problems will be one of two things. Number one is a refrigeration problem. That is where refrigerant system is not making the cold air anymore or it's not removing heat more Mm -hmm. properly. The second is an electrical problem. Correct. And those are totally separate in the way you're going to diagnose them. Again, remember, the symptom is going to be it's not going to get cold. Right. But if you fail to determine the difference, you're going to go so, so far wrong that you could spend literally thousands of dollars, not fix the problem, and possibly make things a lot worse. Exactly, because if you if you have a refrigeration problem and you start messing with the electrical side, or, or worse vice yet, versa. have an electrical problem and start adding refrigerant to the system, right. you can cause a catastrophic failure. More often today, there are more and more electrical components that come into the air conditioning system. And I would say in a not too distant future, we will probably see total electric air conditioning. In fact, hybrids have it now. They do. But you will probably see a totally electric air conditioning system. However, if you fail to realize that, in other words, what we see now is something like the air conditioning quits cooling. To say a mode door has jammed. A mode door has stopped. And is running the air past the heater core instead of the evaporator. reheating. And so the neighbor says, oh, well, yeah, mine quit working, and I bought this little kit, and we put some more refrigerant in, refrigerant it. in it, and it's working. So let's do that. Well, that may be the beginning of a $4,000 experience easy, for you. Easy 4000 Right, because what happens is there was nothing wrong with the refrigerant system to start right. with. It was full, and it was at the proper level. Right, and was working properly. You go in, you add more refrigerant to it. Now you have over the system. You destroy the compressor, it comes apart, contaminates the entire system, and worse yet, you haven't even touched the problem. It's still blowing hot. Exactly. You never touch the problem with any of that because the problem was an electrical issue under the dash. Mm -hmm. Now, another time where we see this a lot are the two cooling fans on the outside because, as I kind of mentioned earlier, air conditions don't produce coal. What they do instead is they remove heat. Correct. There is a core under the dash called an evaporator, It absorbs the heat out of the car, transfers it in the form of energy, liquid energy through the refrigerant to that condenser. The fan on the condenser pulls cool air through it, gives the heat off, and therefore it can go back and repeat the cycle. And it continues to remove heat and get rid of it outside until the car is cool. In other words, the absence of heat is cool. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as coal. It's just the absence of heat. And a lot of people don't quite click to that. But if anything interferes with its ability to get rid of that heat, if that cooling fan is not working, then what happens, the heat is still being removed, the condenser is getting hot, and so the head pressure on the system goes sky high. Some units have, again, electrical component that will shut it down. Right. A Some space. don't have that, and it destroys the compressor. So, again, it's an electrical issue. You have to determine the difference between electrical and, and refrigerant. refrigerant problems. And we're going to talk about that a little more. Let's catch a couple of our phone calls. We've got Clay online. Good morning, Clay. Hey, good morning. How are you? Doing wonderful, sir. Hey, I've
1: got a question. I've got an 08 Tundra. I, I talked to you a couple weeks ago about another issue I was having I about it out, but it's got about sixty-eight thousand on it. And early morning, when you crank it and it's cold, mm-hmm. it does it for about the first ten minutes or so. You can, there's like a it almost to me it sounds like a lifter tapping. Okay, but I can slip the truck into neutral and rev up the the engine uh-huh. to the same rpm you know and i don't hear it at all put okay. it back in gear and then i can hear it go it's just a and you know and it changes with rpm so you you know above 2500 3000 mm-hmm. rpms you don't hear it anymore you know what i mean mm-hmm. but it, it only does it when it's cold and it's, and it's i say cold if you park the truck for an hour about two hours and come back it'll still do it for a couple minutes yes sir. it stops and and i don't know if I'm just having a difficult time isolating where it's coming from. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, I can tell uh, you,
0: Clay, on an 08 Tundra, one of the absolute most common things for that problem, in fact, I think there was even a warranty extension at one time, is the exhaust manifolds. That manifold can crack or it can warp. And what happens when that one cylinder that's leaking fires, it's going to make a tick, 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 which sounds exactly like a lifter. And when it okay. heats up, that manifold expands because a piece of cast iron, yep. it gets hotter, it kind of expands so you don't hear it any longer. And that kind yep. of sort of sounds like what you're talking about and can be very difficult to find. One way that I found that works pretty well is if with the engine coal and it doing it, if you can take your hand and just kind of about an inch from the manifold, pass it all the way around that manifold top and bottom, And you'll feel that hot gas coming out. That's one way to find it. Now, some of them have shields on them, and you can't get to that. Another thing is if you take, like, a piece of heater hose about three feet long, cut it off, put it to your ear, and use it like a stethoscope and go all around that manifold, a lot of times you can zero in on that that leak. Now, if that is the case, that is fairly expensive to repair because it's pretty involved pulling the manifold, and you have to replace the manifold. All that said, it really doesn't hurt the truck. It's an aggravation, but it's not harmful to the truck. So a lot of people okay. just elect not to fix it. Because right. the, many times you'll end up breaking the bolts off trying to get them out of there. But that really kind of sounds like what you're talking about.
1: And it's interesting to hear you say that because I, I did some research, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, on message boards and stuff. And some people did say that theirs was doing that. And they went in and under warranty it was changed. It was. And, and, and it went away. It right. always went away. Right. And I'm they, not sure. They thought it was-
0: I'm not sure what the warranty extension is on that. It's probably out by now, but you might just check with Toyota, give them the VIN number, and ask if there's still any warranty available on it.
1: Right. Okay, well, that's a hell of a lot better than a, yeah. like a rear a bearing in the engine or a lifter going yeah. bad. Or,
0: you know, almost, you know I mean. almost any of that, Clay, like a lifter, a bearing, <laughs> almost any of that will be worse when it's hot. Yeah. Because it all always thins out as it gets hot. It's thicker when it's cold. But – exhaust leaks are exactly the opposite they're always worse when it's cold because when they get hot things expand and tend to seal them off
1: okay
0: okay so, so that i would be surprised if that were not it
1: okay i hear it from the driver's side mm-hmm. and it and it sounds down low probably know, so, uh, is and
0: you know it be underneath uh-huh. that shield you get a piece of uh, piece of rubber hose get in there and listen And if you hear it under there get under the truck you might see like you know it makes that white exhaust spot if something leaks over time if you yep, see yep. that and you elect not to fix it, it's really not going to harm the truck. I mean, if it gets bad enough, it could throw an oxygen sensor code because of the exhaust leak, but it has to get pretty bad to do that. Most of the time, it's really not that harmful, particularly if it's going away when it gets hot. Yeah. Okay. All righty.
1: Well, I appreciate the info. Oh, yes, yeah, sir.
0: What, what part of Georgia are you calling from, Clay?
1: Noonan, just uh, about 20 minutes south of uh, the Atlanta airport. Oh, okay. Wow.
0: okay. Yeah, I've, I've driven through there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm from Dental Springs, and uh, okay. my, dad call, my dad calls in there to y'all all
0: the time, Herb. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. All right, Clay, well, we oh, appreciate yeah. the call, man. All right, guys, y'all have a good one. You bet. Right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we're going to take a quick little break and be right back with a whole lot more. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Hey, Jim, Becky said you were in the office and... Whoa, what is up with all the
2: charts and graphs, buddy? Oh, I'm using my system I've developed to keep up with the maintenance on my three cars. Is that an armillary sphere? Yes, yes it is. So, the oil gets changed every third full moon. Brake pads divide the years Becky and I have been married by our oldest son's age. Timing belt is leap year, except when it's on the time...
0: You know there's a better way, right? I just take my cars into AGCO once a year for a general inspection. They give me an honest opinion
2: on the maintenance and repairs I need. Sometimes it's just an oil change and they send me on my way. One time, they caught something that could have led to a huge repair. Saved me thousands. Wow, that sounds great. You know, I'm always trying to save money any way I can. Uh, let me get Adco's number online and I'll uh, give him a call. Is that dial up? Dude, there's a better way to save money. Schedule your general inspection today at Adco Automotive. Adco—it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back! Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host Lewis Alzazan with just Brian Terry. Sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And we're going back to our phone lines with Justin. Good morning, Justin. Hey, I've been I'm gonna,
3: oh, just a decent mechanic and all, but I've been noticing these little always running around with. The little front wood drive cars with extreme negative camber on the rear end. It mm-hmm. Looked like it would eat the tires off it, but it made it to Walmart. They do. <laughs> what,
0: what is going on with that? Now it's just a fad, man. Everybody, you know, these they like them lowered as low as they can get they, them. It's kind of the style right now. When they do, everything just folds in. Yeah, the way it's independent suspension, so when you lower the car, the wheels fold in. You know, because Got the it. control arm angles are changed drastically. And they'll put wider tires on them, which makes it even worse. They'll put offset wheels, which makes it even worse. Yeah. But, yeah, you start modifying the suspension. Almost anything you do to the suspension, the wheels are folding in on Sure. It.
3: Right. Yeah, I didn't know if they were lowering them and they were just something wore
0: out. And no, just, no. For the most <laughs> part, they. you don't have to drop them but about an inch or two, and yeah, it'll, it'll take it'll, it'll come in about two degrees. So, you figure they, they're going down as low as they can go. So, that, that camera's folding in five, six, seven degrees sometimes. Yeah. And uh, I saw one the other day that just the inside, about an inch of the inside of the back tire was on the ground. The rest of it was up off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been seeing it for a while. I just wonder. What- yeah, just fans. Yeah, know. Who knows, man? It, it, comes, <clears throat> it comes and goes just like everything else, I guess. Well, you know, I was, I was watching TV this morning with Elaine, and she had it on that say yes to the dress. Uh-huh. And this girl wants to get married, and when she gets married she wants to jump in the water with her dress on she's gonna trash dress all right i'm like okay right. yeah <laughs> yeah that sounds like a plan <laughs> let's pay six thousand dollars for a dress and jump in, in the water with. yeah mm-hmm. i don't know man the longer <laughs> i live the sorrier things seem to get <laughs>
1: I'll, see, I'll see some stuff out there hell yeah, yeah.
0: Wondering on that. that's it all right thanks man. all right bye-bye all right 291-6901 is the number if you only part of the automotive i would love to have you we we're talking just a little bit about air conditioning and, uh-huh. and such as that. Now, the thing is with the two different problems, electrical and refrigerant, right? One fairly easy way before you start getting in trouble with this stuff. If the AC is not working, there's a couple of simple things you can do sure. to at least give you some guidance as to where you are. Right. Number 1, you go out and you see the two lines coming out of the compressor. Well, one should be fairly it we'll won't be hot at the compressor, but if you go back towards the evaporator core at the firewall, right. one of those lines should be cold and the other one should be warmer. There should be a substantial difference in temperature right. between the two. Between the evaporator. And one the line is going to come out of the compressor go back to the evaporator. The other one comes from the evaporator goes to the condenser. But if you do no more than just go out and touch those two lines, and one is very cold and the other one is warm, mm-hmm. then the chances are the refrigerant system is, is working. working. Right. So that means forget all you thought you knew about refrigerant systems and all that and start looking for an electrical problem. Sure. Now, let's say they're both warm. Okay. Okay, that means you could have a refrigerant problem, but again, it could next, also then yeah, the next thing you want to do is l- sit down and look at that compressor and see if it's turning. Sure. The belt will be turning because there's a clutch on most of them. Now some of them don't have a clutch anymore and they turn all the time. But Look and see if the compressor is turning. Well, if, most of your cars are going to have a switch on the dash that will turn the AC off or on. Right. Whether you mess with any of the other controls. Right. Have someone push that switch. Right. Make sure the little light comes on. Mm-hmm. And then while you're looking at the compressor, have them push it and see if the clutch kicks out. Right. And you got to remember, too, there are many, many things that can override that switch. There are. That switch is not truly a switch. It's a sensor that sends a signal to the body module the body module evaluates the situation and decides if it wants to turn the compressor on or not. Exactly. For instance, let's say you've got a Chevy Silverado pickup truck, and let's say you just replaced the battery and the throttle body was dirty. Now, you've lost idle function. Right. It can't relearn with a dirty throttle body, so therefore it's idling about 500 RPM rather than 650 like it's supposed to. So when the BCM, the body control module, sees that, it will not command the compressor on right. because the idle's too low. Because if the idle's too low and you turn the compressor on, the truck's going to die. So it's going to override and the compressor's not going to come on. So every time you stop at a red light, your truck's going to start getting hot. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get your neighbor to come over and squirt some refrigerant in it. Well, you just destroyed the entire system because that wasn't the problem in the first place. It was a dirty throttle body brought on by the battery being changed. Sure. So the point is, it's just very, very complex system. And... You have to understand how it works before you start diagnosing problems. And you absolutely must diagnose the problem before you start doing something. Sure. It's like ready, aim, fire. You don't ready, fire, aim. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't do that. You know, you want to know what is wrong before you start attempting to attack this system. And you've got to really understand how the system works to be able to diagnose it correctly. Well, yeah. It's not just like you were saying earlier, you know, it's not just a switch that turns the compressor off and on anymore. The computer system is now overriding the request for air conditioning. Right, and now a number of situations will bring that on. It seems like about at least two or three times a month someone will come in and they'll say, my air conditioner is not working. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you notice is that the car is overheating. Sure. The radiator's busted. The hose is blown out. They never saw the temperature gauge pegged all the way over. Right. There's several codes in memory where it's been over 275 degrees. They're cooking the engine. Well, the AC is not working because the engine's overheated, so the computer's shutting it down trying to cool itself down. Sure. Or they'll say the engine is missing at an idle; it's running rough, and my air conditioner doesn't work. Well, the reason it's running rough is in cool down strategy, mm-hmm. and the problem is they got a blown radiator hose. They burnt the motor up, and they keep driving it. Right. Well, again, it's not an air conditioning problem at all. And if you go and mess with the AC, now you're going to have a burned-up motor and a burned-up yeah. air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just a symptom of what it's going on. That's exactly correct. Now, a misfire will shut down the air conditioner sure. on certain cars. If it's got sure. an active mix- misfire in memory, it may not allow air conditioning. If the ambient temperature outside is too low or, more to the point, it thinks it's too low. Right, right. For instance, if the ambient temperature sensor has gone bad, And it thinks it's 30 degrees below zero outside. It does not care if it's 100 degrees in reality. All it knows is what the sensor tells it. Right. And if it's telling it it's 30 degrees below zero, it's not going to let the AC come on. Right. It's going to go into a completely different strategy then. It's going to start double pulsing the injectors to keep the motor running. And it's going to shut the air conditioning down because at minus 30, you don't need air conditioning. That's right. And it does not care. It does not matter at all what it It is. is. No. It's what it thinks it is. And all it knows is what that sensor tells it. Right. Now... That sensor, that coolant temperature sensor you were talking mm-hmm. about, usually there's one that the, P, the, the, for the PCM, ECM uses, mm-hmm. the engine control module uses. Then there's another one for, for the, the gauge. gauge. That's right. So you can't just look at the gauge and say, well, it's it's not and right. It, in many cases, there's a third one called an ambient air temperature sensor, right. which is measuring the air temperature and not just the coolant temperature. Because if it sees the air temperature too low, regardless of the coolant temperature, because if you matter. got you got a thermostat, it may see the engine at 225 degrees like it belongs or 200 degrees wherever it is. If it sees ambient temperature too low, it's not going to allow the AC to come out. Exactly. So, again, the point is you have to do a few simple tests before you start jumping in and doing things. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say the hoses are not cold. You know, the two lines right. are not cold. The compressor is turning okay now most likely we're into a refrigerant type problem that is going to need to be you know, diagnosed as a refrigerant problem right and a lot of times people will say well i put some gauges on it and that you absolutely wasting your time putting gauges on it trying to detect whether or not the system's full you can't do it that way anymore right at one time maybe you could but you can't anymore and whoever says they can do that is lying to you or they're totally incompetent they don't know what they're talking about the only way to know if that system is full is to evacuate the entire system measure the charge and put the correct amount back in it exactly and that is so 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 critical today because the entire system may only hold 12 to 16 ounces that is a full charge right whereas the old systems used to hold a pound a pound and a half two pounds five pounds yeah up to five pounds depending depending on the the system so if you put five pounds or you put four and a half pounds or you put five and a half pounds it, it was really still going to work okay yeah. because you were only a few percent off but if it holds 12 ounces and you put an extra 12 ounces then you're which completely double charged you are 100 percent overcharged you will destroy the entire system it's going right. to blow the compressor off it is going to probably take the evaporator core out because it can't stand that much pressure well and not when the compressor comes apart It's going to fill the system full of metal which is going to get lodged in the condenser any of the hoses that have mufflers on them right any of the the places that metal can get trapped the metal's gonna get trapped Mm -hmm. and then somebody might come along and say well the compressor blew up let's just go ahead and, and change the compressor yeah and that's a good good point that's what we want to go into in the next segment about how you have to fix this once you determine what's wrong with it hey one more quick little break and a whole lot more So,
1: Tina, are you interested in shopping next weekend? Oh, well, me and Harold leave for our European cruise on Friday. Another cruise? What? Are you all blowing the kids' inheritance? No, we're just smart with our money. Like, our cars are paid off, and we're big on preventative maintenance. Harold takes them in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what we need to keep the cars running right. You'd be surprised on how fast you can save for a cruise without two car notes. (laughs) Wow, I never thought of that. I have time to do a little shopping this afternoon, though. I've got to get Harold a bathing suit. He keeps saying he wants one of those tiny Speedo suits because that's what everybody wears in Europe, and I cannot let that happen. Okay, now I have an image of Harold strutting around the pool in a Speedo. I think I'm going to book a general inspection from Agco to clear my mind. He wanted hot pink, too. <laughs> Tina, stop.
2: Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. noise off the river
1: to Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it, but I can't keep with, uh, hey, Recruiter welcome back. Radio. You're us the
0: Automotive. I'm you your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call, 291 6901. We're talking a little bit about air conditioning today, but we'll take a call on any topic. As always, you're never limited to what we happen to be talking about that day. That's for a fact. Whatever happens to be bugging you, you give us a call. We're glad to try to help you out. And if it's a problem or a comment or a question, whatever, you give us a call. And you know, we were just discussing a little bit about air conditioning mm-hmm. and how you can. Determine between electrical problems and that and i said that you cannot determine with gauges whether the system is low or not and that is a fact however it doesn't mean gauges are useless either right gauges are still the number one way of diagnosing the problems and it's the relationship between the two gauges for instance you see a lot of these little charge kits will come with one gauge that Mm -hmm. is absolutely useless one gauge tells you nothing Two gauges and the relationship between the two gauges is it's where what it the knowledge is. tells you what it is. For instance, the low side gauge should, with our 134A system should normally be somewhere between 28 and 34 pounds depending on the temperature and all that sort of thing. Very narrow range. Mm-hmm. The high side gauge will be roughly twice the ambient temperature plus 40 PSI. Okay. Now, what that means is let's say it's 70 degrees out. 70 and 70 is 140, and 40 is 180. Sure. That high side pressure should be around 180 PSI. Right. Now, if we look at the two gauges, and let's say the low side is l- too low, it's around 20, and the high side is too high, then you've likely got some sort of restriction in the system. And what's happening is the compressor is pushing excessive pressure because trying to go through a restriction. And it's not getting anything And the back. low side is going to go low because it's trying to draw through the restriction. Right. Now, let's say again, you check it and the high side is too low and the low side is too high. Well, on an expansion valve system, we probably have an expansion valve stuck open and it can't maintain that pressure. It's it's just pumping in a loop. Let's say both or the low side is about correct, but the high side is too low. Then we could be into like a compressor or something that's weak. It's not putting out enough pressure. So by looking at the relationship between the two gauges, we can get quite a bit of information there as far as diagnosing what the problem is. And let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Bruce online. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. How you doing? Doing great, doing sir. great.
1: I got a question about oil changes.
0: Mm-hmm. I bought a new F one fifty about four months ago and it's only had one its first oil change. I always change at three thousand miles. Okay. Regardless. The thing takes eight quarts of oil. Yes, sir. What's the point? Well, Uh,
1: For years, everything took five
0: or six. Right. A number of things, Mr. Bruce. Number one, more oil, the more safety fact you have, because the fact is people today just don't check their oil. And they preach to check the oil, preach to check the oil. Most newer engines will consume some oil for whatever reason. They say it's design. I say it's poor workmanship. Whatever. Most newer engines do consume some oil. So let's say you got four quarts of oil. You're going 5,000 miles between changes, and it burns a quarter of a thousand miles. I mean, do the math. With eight quarts, you got much more chance of not running out of oil. The second thing is more oil, the engine is going to run slightly cooler because it has more oil to dissipate the heat, more oil to dissipate contaminants, and so on. The third thing is with the extremely long oil changes they're giving, more oil is going to last longer because there's just more additives there. It's going to take longer to deplete more oil. And they're going for this longer and longer and longer all change interval. That's why they use more oil in them so they can go longer with it. I think it's stupid. I mean, I'm with you. I'd go back to five quarts of all and change every 3,000 miles. And check par, it every our, every 1,000. Yeah, check it every so often just based on your driving conditions. But that's just not the world we live in. So that's the answers why they're going to the more oil in it. Some of these cars that will recommend like annual oil changes may hold up to 10 quarts of all. And, again, it's the same thing, same just more yeah. oil will deplete slower. you got more oil reserved when you use some up or burn some. But it's just kind of the world we live in. People just don't want to check anything. They don't want to do anything. They just want to go, and that's just the manufacturer's way of allowing them to do that. Well, I guess so, because it's like one girl had said one time that there was, somebody was talking about oil changes, and she said, you got to change that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of guys that would probably yeah. say that too. That I, I hear know. you. Yeah. Well, oh, you know, today it's, uh, they don't check anything. Probably twice a month, someone comes in on a hook and they said the car just quit running and you pull a dipstick and there's no oil in it. I mean, they literally burned up the engine, just ran it out of oil. Yep. That's twice yep. a month. And I mean, uh, we're talking anywhere from a six to a twelve thousand dollar repair because they just ran it out all. And you look at the oil right. change sticker and it's twenty thousand miles past due.
1: Well, I'm from the old school. Yeah. I check pretty regular. Oh, yeah. That's good. All right, thank you. Okay, Mr. All Bruce, right. thank
0: you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. You want to be part of the automotive hour? We'd love to have you. We're talking a little bit about air conditioners and diagnosing them. We touched on gauges and right. how those can give you some insight into the system and how it's operating. If you know how to read them. If you know how to read them and so Understand on as that. Them. Understand them like any other sure. gauge. You're know, Just connecting a gauge to anything is not going to really help. You have to have the understanding of how it all works, the relationship between them. It's sort of like a front-end alignment. Not only do you have caster, camera which but you have a relationship between the three. Exactly. And you have to understand all of that. To make it operate properly. Proper alignment. But once you've got it diagnosed, the next stage in many cases, if you suspect an internal problem, is you're going to need to open the system. Most systems today have orifice tubes, mm-hmm. although a few still use expansion valves. If the system has an orifice tube, that's going to be a filter because there's a little screen around that tube. Right. Generally, if you open the line at that point, look inside the orifice tube. If you see a bunch of metal in there or a bunch of white-looking clay in there, you've got a catastrophic failure. Yep. Now, going back a little bit, you need to evac that system before you attempt to open it. You're going to have to evacuate it before you open it because if you don't, you're going to... Blow refrigerant all up over and place oil and all. and everything else. And once you lose the all, that's a whole nother discussion. But there's no way to check the all in an air conditioning system. Right. What you do is that you let it sit until all all settles out. You evacuate the refrigerant, and then the right amount of oil will be in it automatically. If you lose all, the only way to know how much has been lost is to take every component off, drain, drain it out, and measure it, and then put the right amount back. So you've gone to an extremely expensive procedure to figure out how much all goes in the system. Too little, it's going to burn up. Too much, it's going to be overcharged. Right. So, again, you don't want to ever lose any oil when you don't have to because that's a big, big, big deal to go back and figure all that out. Yes, it is. Let's go back to our phone lines. Robert, good morning, Robert.
1: I've got a 2003 Nissan Optima uh-huh. It's a four-cylinder. Uh-huh. And it's flooding the cylinders with gas. And you, I mean, it, it just it's flooding them. You pull the plugs out, you dry them off, you can get it to crank, but it just, it just floods itself back out. Okay. I'm trying. I've, somebody told me it could be the temperature sensor. Well, yeah, it but could be the ECM could. or the mass airflow sensor. Yeah, could yeah. be a lot of things. Yep,
0: could be any one uh, of those, and then about a dozen more. But the point is, how much money you're willing to spend on could be's before you get this thing checked by someone and find out what it is.
3: Yeah, because I've got a little reader, and you plug it in, and mm-hmm. it's throwing you know everything misfire codes. Oh yeah, going well, to Yeah, it's going to
0: it. yeah, it's gonna throw misfires yeah. because it's flooding. It's going to throw oxygen sensor codes because it's got too much gas getting on the oxygen sensors, and on and on and on. The point is, all of that doesn't mean anything. Those are all symptoms of a problem. And I mean, I could tell you stuff for days. It could be, but every one of them could be is going to be four five hundred dollars. Right. You have yeah, to have yeah. a factory scan tool to go in and see what the computer's seeing. Right. You know, you can go in, you can open, go into the system. Look at the temperature that the computer is seeing, and it may be 30 degrees below zero. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, then, yes, it's going to flood the cylinder because it thinks it's so dang cold, it needs more fuel to run. Or let's, yeah. let's just say we've got one of our lines from the injectors has rubbed through and it's grounded. Well, that injector is going to fire because the computer supplies power all the time. It controls the ground side to pulse the injector. Let's say that wire rubs to the ground and it's touching the ground somewhere. Well, an the injector yeah. just constantly fires, so it's going to flood the cylinders. I mean, on and on on, and on and on, I could name stuff for days, a bad ECM, on and on. You're just going to have to get that to someone with the knowledge and the experience to diagnose the problem. You're going to have to pay somebody to check it, even if you want to fix it yourself.
1: Yeah, I understand. It's well, that's what I needed to know. I didn't think it would be a simple
0: fix. No, no, probably not. I mean, I would certainly look at all the injector wires, make sure none of them are rubbed through. Your temperature gauge, make sure it is getting to full temperature, although it could still read temperature there and not read right. it at the computer. On and on and on, it's just too many possibilities. Even an yeah. airflow meter, that's completely bad. and It thinks there's a ton of air going in there, it's so it's dump adding a ton fuel. I mean, on and on, without some way to electronically communicate with this car and understand what this communication is telling you, you could, I mean, everything that we're mentioning is probably a 400 or $500 thing. Oh, yeah, easy. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. well, let's try this. Okay, that didn't do it. Now what? Well, let's and try this. Well, now you're into it for a grand. You know, for probably a couple hundred bucks, you could have somebody check it tell you exactly what it was. So, it's just way, way cheaper to have someone electronically test it for you and tell you exactly what it is. Well, that's what I needed to know, but I appreciate it. Okay, man. All right, sir. Thanks, right. Robert. Bye-bye. All one sixty nine zero one. You know, that was a thing back in the day when something was missing and someone would say, well, maybe it's a set of spark plugs. Okay, well, let's screw a set of plugs in. We well, probably need plugs anyway. Yeah, that didn't do it. Okay, well, maybe it's plug wires. Okay, well, let's change those. That didn't do it. Well, maybe it's this. Okay. Okay. But each there one of those maybes was probably ten to twelve dollars. Right. The problem is nowadays each one of those maybes is four or five hundred dollars. Exactly. And so if you don't get OEM parts, you put you aftermarket stuff, causing no more problems. Well, let's say you say maybe it's a computer, and you go buy rebuilt computer. Well, now that is bad because it wasn't rebuilt properly. Well, now you do have a bad computer. You didn't to start with. You still got the original problem. And but you're right. out fifteen hundred bucks. That's right. On and on and on it goes. And on something like that, it's going to take the catalytic converters out real fast because it's dumping gas into them. So, yeah, way, way less expensive just to go ahead and pay somebody to check it properly. And it's just the only reason to do it is because it's going to cost a lot less than doing it any other way. Let's go back to the phone lines. Mark, good morning, Mark.
3: Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. I uh Yes, sir. I got a little crisis situation on the charger here. Y'all guys have been servicing for a long time. Mm -hmm. Be diagnosed with evaporator core leak a while back. Mm -hmm. I think it just ran out. Okay. (laughs) I just want to know what can I do short term, since the expense of the job ahead is so great. What Mm -hmm. can I do that's not going to really jeopardize that system? What would be a safe way to just it. the only thing you you can do is you're
0: gonna have to vacuum it out and first you got to make sure that is the problem and something else didn't go wrong because again like i said at the beginning of the show anything that goes wrong in that system is gonna quit cooling so you're assuming that the evaporator core whereas maybe it is maybe it isn't i mean likely if it's leaking that is it but you can't just jump to that conclusion because let's say a fuse blew somewhere and compressor quit turning again it's gonna stop cooling you know so a lot of things so Number one, you're going to need to check and make sure it is empty. If it is empty, you'd have to vacuum it, recharge it, and depending on how long it lasted the last time, it'll probably last that long or less this time, but it will get yes, you by sir. for a short period of time. you got to also watch, Mark, because as that evaporator leaks, it also pumps all out of the system. Eventually, you'll uh, run out of all and burn the, the thing up. So
1: yes, sir. you might even add,
0: add a little bit more oil to it too, but you, even though you're pretty sure that's what it is, you still got to diagnose and make sure that is what got it is. To yeah. And if that is what it is, and you want to just try to charge it and see how long it lasts again. You know, if it lasted a couple yeah. months last time, it'll probably last a couple months again. But it's yes, eventually sir. going to run back out. And you know, the, the fix is going to be you're going to have to pull the dash and change Thank the evaporator. You.
3: And I've listened to you all long enough to know it's foolish to just go in there and start you know, adding refrigerant when you don't even know how much you got or how much you need. And well, that. that's
0: right. There's or no way need to know or if you need any at all. Because let's just say on the odd chance something else happened. Yeah. You know, it could have happened. So, I did uh, see a little bit of little vapor coming out the front grill mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. I well, mean, I, again, I <laughs> possible. Well, let's say that a, a rock, one, a rock popped up. Hit, well, rock popped up, yeah. hit, knocked a hole the condenser. Now yeah. it all ran out. Well, you charge it up, it runs right back out the condenser. So, it, again, every problem you're going to have, the AC is going to quit working. That's just a symptom yeah. of air conditioning. Yeah, that's just what. Every air, you know, if if the blower motor goes out on a lot of cars, it cuts the compressor off, AC quits working. Right. So no matter what it is, the AC quits working. So you can't just say, okay, we had to quit working again, so it's the same thing. It just doesn't work that way. You you still got to diagnose it, and then you can make a decision at that point. And something like that is not going to take very long to diagnose at all. Yes, sir. I'm just struggling. I uh-huh. mean,
3: it's absolutely not cold at all now. I don't yep. know what the hell else to do, and yep. I don't want to jeopardize
0: it. Yep, but, Yep, just need yeah. to check it and make sure that's what it is. If that's what yep. it is and you want to try to charge it one more time, you could probably get by with that for a short term.
3: Yes, sir. Well, on a brighter right. note, Brian, I think I had you do my – Michelin's uh, had BT on the invoice, so I just wanted to tell you. uh, That was (laughs) me. Fabulous job. Well, thank you. And uh, I love this car so much, but I got to tell you, I'm starting to call it the 2012 Dodge Money Pit with a hint of 1970s Challenger. Yeah, Yeah. well, you know,
0: most of of the new cars are that way, Mark. I mean, they're just built to a certain standard. And I mean, as you get to the newer stuff, man, they're just just getting even worse. Yeah, they're just getting worse and worse. It really is. It really is is, because the price keeps going up. Price goes up. They they get cooler and cooler looking, but boy, they just don't hold up, and repairs are god-awful expensive. So.
3: I mean, even engineering-wise,
0: yep. you know. Yep. yep.
3: But all right, thank man. you all so much. Love the show, and love you guys. Thank bye. you. bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All
0: right, one last quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more.
2: Hey, Mike, heading out for your run? <laughs> I just knocked out three miles myself. Yep, did my meditation this morning to de-stress, and now I'm going to get a little exercise. Tomorrow I need to take the car into the shop, though. That shaking problem's getting worse. Uh, you know, you should take care of your car like you take care of your body, and it would save you some money. What do you mean? Preventative maintenance is key. Me and Kathy bring our cars in once a year to ADCO for a general inspection. They give them the once over and perform the maintenance needed to keep us on the road. I haven't had any kind of major problem with my cars in forever. I guarantee they would have caught the cause of your shaking issue and fixed it before it became a problem. And probably save me money, too. Yep all right i'm heading home this evening for steak and lobster then kathy and i are going to test run our new hot tub surf and turf and a new hot tub yeah and champagne saving money on your car allows you to enjoy the finer things in life mike my boy schedule your general inspection today at agco automotive agco it's the place
0: to go Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host Lewis Alstand from Agco Automotive, got our lead tech, Mister Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between tools, will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we've got Johnny's been patiently holding. Good morning, Johnny.
3: Yeah, I have a question there concerning airbag, 2000 Avalon. Uh-huh. The light come on and it's flashing. That's something that I have to bring back to the
0: dealer? Or most shops can check. No, it most or- shops can check that, Johnny. Those systems don't give a huge amount of problems most of the time. We find it's either a loose connection somewhere, sometimes a part called the clock spring, which is a part in the steering column. That's a wearing part that goes out a lot. But, yeah, there'll be a code stored. It's not stored like the PCM codes, like for inspection and all, but it's stored in the airbag module. You have to have the tool to go in and read it, and it'll tell you what areas caused the problem. You do a little bit of detective work, and you can figure it out. But, yeah, any competent shop can do that for you. Okay, and that that computer, do we, it's not something that go out very often, is it? Not very not, often, no. no. Uh, I mean, I can't say I've never seen one go out, but very seldom. Sometimes there's an internal battery that will die in them, but, I mean, is old, that's a— two thousand, two thousand. 2000? Yeah, uh, it's possible. 17 I mean, years old, it is possible. They call it uh, a DERM module, D-E-R-M, Diagnostic Energy Reserve, and it's huh? an internal battery that keeps power up in case the car gets wrecked bad enough where it rips the battery out, it'll still fire the airbags for you. And if that battery fails, it will it could throw light on for but that. There, I mean, it could there, be all kind of stuff. Right. Gotta there will it be checked. a code yeah. in the airbag module mm-hmm. that you can retrieve and, and check the system. It, it could just as likely be a squirrel got under the hood sure. and chewed one of the wires in half. Yep. Right.
3: So, take... How uh, about a fuse? Don't say thing, a fuse. Yeah. Yet, huh? Yes, sir. It has yeah. fuse
0: in it. Probably a couple.
3: Okay. So.
0: Okay. Check uh, all right.
3: that first. Right. And in, in you all situation, bring it in, but are you kind of like a, you got a little waiting time?
0: Yes, sir. We're we generally are about a week backed up, but if you call Elizabeth, she'll make an appointment for you and you can just drop it off. We'll get it checked for you and let you know exactly what it is. Okay. All righty. Oh, appreciate it. All right. All right. Johnny, thanks, man. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. You know, we were talking about air conditioning and right. stuff, and a couple of last points because we're just about out of time. I'd like to make day. And. Let's say your system fails, the compressor goes out, and like you already mentioned, it throws metal throughout the system. Now, a lot of places you can start getting estimates. One guy's going to quote you $1,200. Another guy's going to quote you $2,500. Uh-huh. What is the difference? Well, the $1,200 job may be a rebuilt compressor, which is absolute bad news. Sure. It may be he's going to put a compressor on there, and that's it, which is absolute waste of time, going to make things worse because it's just going to take that one out. That'll last about a month maybe one month to three months then it goes out now you got the metal of two in there what the more expensive repair is when your compressor goes bad you automatically on any modern system go ahead and figure condenser sure i know you don't want to spend the money but you know what you got to do it right because that condenser has little micro tubes in it they're going to fill up with metal there is no way to get it out it's going to eventually circulate around it's going to take the new compressor right back out yep any hoses on the system that have mufflers in them, same story. You cannot flush it out. No matter what you do, it's going to take it out. If it's got an expansion valve, you have to replace the expansion sure. valve. Of course, you have to replace the receiver dryer. So that's the difference between the $1,200 job and the $3,000 job. Right. $1,200, you absolutely waste your money. You still don't have air conditioning. $3,000, you are fixed and gone. Right. So you got to make sure you're getting something that's going to fix the problem and not just throw your money away because you only get one shot at it. That's it. One shot with air conditioning. There you go. Hey, I see we are just about out of time. I will start winding on up. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this Saturday morning, every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. Well, i like thank all our podcasters for listening this week. And every week, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be. Find the written review and fill it out for us. That's right. Give us a good written review. That'll move us up in rankings, and that way more people can listen. Hey, Pre-Cityville's opinion, based on our experience in the automotive industry, have a great weekend.